Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. A number of years ago, about three years ago, my wife and I renovated our home. We'd been living there for about 18 years, and we had never, we'd never done any renovation. All the kids were gone, and so we just renovated the home. I kept waiting for Formica to come back into style, and it, it, <laughs> and it didn't. And, uh, and so, man, we went, man, it counters, kitchen, flooring. We did the whole thing. To renovate means to, to go in and improve by restoring or redoing an overhaul, renovation. And so if you've ever done it, it was, it was messy and tedious and long and expensive, but it was worth it. And it just made the home so much better. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about mindset renovation. Mindset is your, your outlook on life, your, your disposition that causes you to interpret and respond to situations. Mindset. Everyone's got, right, we have numerous mindsets. We talked last week about growth mindset and a fixed mindset. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about, as we, as we talk about renovating our mindset, how we can change that. Here's some of the prevailing mindsets, and many of you probably know these. The first one is, and this is probably one of the biggest mindsets that's in the earth today, it's all about me. Just all about me. It is, it is a me world. I mean, they, they, they advertise to us that way. They tell us, it's all about me. It's you, it's you, it's me. And uh, that can be a... It can be a very limiting mindset. It can be dangerous, too. A man was reading a book. He's kind of a timid guy, but he's reading a book called Man of the House. And when he finished the book, he put that book down, and he came in after work one day. He looked at his wife. He said, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> he said, I am the man of the house, and my word is law. He said, so tonight, you're going to make me my favorite dinner and my favorite dessert. And after you clean the dishes... You're going to draw me a bath and I can have a nice long soak. And then guess who's going to, to dress me and comb my hair? She looked at him. She said, my guess is the funeral director. <laughs> if it's all about you, you can get in trouble with that. That's a, that's a mindset. Here's another mindset that's very prevalent. It's lack versus abundance. It's a lack mindset. There's not enough. There's not going to be enough for me. Uh, Michael, my youngest, said that he was not, he and Nadia were not there on Halloween, and they put uh, just a basket of candy out on their porch, light on, just, you know, take some, take some candy. They said a little guy walked up, and he took a few pieces of candy, and he walked back, and you saw him talking. They had that, they have a ring, and so they could see, they could see the, that there was some conversation, and the mother walked up and grabbed two big handfuls of candy, put them in her bag and walked out. That's a lack mentality. And the sad thing is she's going to teach that to that child. It's a, it's a lack. There's not going to be enough. And if you think about it, most of the mindsets that we deal with today are fear-based. It's, there's not going to be enough. There's fear. You're not going to get, it's, it's everything. They sell to that. Everything is, is a fear-based. But you can do a mindset renovation. It's possible. In fact, it, it says here in Romans, the 12th chapter, Paul was writing to the church. He said, don't be conformed or molded to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now he's saying that the challenge we deal with today is not being conformed or molded into the way that the world thinks. And when I say the world thinks, it's the me, it's the selfish, it's the fear, it's the lack. It's the, the, the challenge is not being molded to that. But to not be molded to that, you're going to have to hear something different and see something different. Matt Woodley is, a, is an author who said that he, when he went to watch, a number of years ago, watch his 18-year-old son play some X-ball games, paintball. And evidently it was team paintball. The idea was to capture the other team's flag. And so they're shooting at the other team. You don't want to get shot. You want to be able to shoot them, capture the flag. And so the coaches are yelling instructions because you can't see where the other guys are. The coaches are yelling instructions. And as Matt was watching this game, he noticed that fans on the, on the other team, they were yelling the wrong instructions to his team. Made him mad. He thought they were cheating. He's like, that's not right. They were telling false information, sending out false info. And he talked to his son afterwards. He said, what were they doing? That's cheating. His son laughed. He said, no, no. He said, that's part of the game. He said, it's called counter-coaching. The other, other team is giving you wrong information. They're giving you wrong coaching. He said, he had, Matt asked his son, he said, how do you handle that? He said, you really have to tune out those other voices and only listen for the voice of your coach. I thought, ooh. How about today where we're living is, there's a lot of voices coming our way. There's a lot of negative, angry voices that are coming our way and they're telling us this. And they're, te they're giving us false information. So we have to tune in to the voice of our Savior. We have to tune in to the voice of our God. And so a relationship with God and His Word become the catalyst for beginning to change how we view things, how we see things. It changes our mindset. There's a Great story in the New Testament of a man that we've talked about before. In fact, when I mentioned his name, if you were raised in church, you sang songs about him. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Don't, do, don't call anybody a wee little man today. They'll, they'll cancel you. But uh, <laughs> Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him today, salvation's come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Zacchaeus has a mindset. We can gather this from his mindset. Here's his first mindset. Money was the most important thing to this guy. Money was important. So how do you know money was important? Well, because he was a, a, a tax collector and he was rich. In fact, he was a chief tax collector. Tax collectors, you have to understand, were Jewish people who worked for the Romans and they collected taxes for the Romans. And so to get rich, they had to take from their own to make money. They had to take from their own to get rich. And so money mattered to him. So we understand for him, money was very important. Here's the second thing that was very important. Um, he, people didn't matter. He had a hardened attitude towards people. He just, 
to, to, make, to cheat and to make money off your own people, man, you had to have a hardened attitude and you dealt with a lot of rejection. I mean, people hated you. I was trying to think of how we could, I mean, I don't want to use IRS agents today because I, I don't think that's, that's accurate. But what if, what if, it's a hypothetical situation. What if the PRC, People Republic of China, what if they invaded our nation and they conquered our nation and they became a conquering presence in our nation? Now, I know some of you just almost, just unconsciously reach for your gun right now. Don't reach for your gun, just, just hang on. Just, just work with me. If they were the concrete, very different culture. And in fact, to get to church, you had to pass through armored trucks at our entrance full of, of PRC soldiers. You knew that your brother had been arrested and beaten by one. You knew people who had died resisting them. There, there's, there's no love here. And then your neighbor, your next door neighbor, goes to work for them, collecting taxes. And he gives you a tax bill that's four times more than what you paid last year. And you're like, this is ridiculous. He's like, too bad, pay it. So you have to pay that tax bill. And then the next week you see him driving in a new vehicle. And then he moves to a bigger house in a richer part of town. He's getting rich. Are you feeling the love? Now you'd be angry. They hated tax collectors. And here he was. Money was important. He didn't care about people. But you know there was something missing in his life? Even though he had all that going on, he was, there was missing something. Because he wanted to see who Jesus was. So much that he ran and climbed up in a tree. Listen, if you're the rich, one of the richest guys in town, you don't climb trees. It's, not, that's, it's like, it's so undignified. But he had a hunger. There was something missing, even with all that money and, and with all that power, something was missing in his life. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And he was so surprised when Jesus showed up under his tree and looked up and went, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to, I need to, I must stay with you today. I must stay with you. Do you have to realize that is one of the biggest honors that you would, that you would come and stay at Zacchaeus' house? Well, you think about it. You don't invite people, you don't invite people to your house that you don't care about. Well, wait a minute, we got the holidays coming, don't we? We got, we got. <laughs> Scratch that. During, well, not, not during the holidays. <laughs> no, just look straight ahead. Just say, amen, you won't get in trouble. But if you love some, it may, if you, you honor someone by bringing them into your house. And so it was such an honor for Jesus to come to Zacchaeus' house. And maybe for the very first time, Zacchaeus began to believe that, that, that God didn't reject him. That Jesus wasn't rejecting him. That Jesus cared about him. That Jesus was interested in him. It changed him. See, that... That, that when, he, when he knew Jesus was interested in him, when he knew Jesus cared, it changed his mindset. He was able to make a, a mindset renovation right there. For one thing, money didn't matter as much. He stood up and told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. Half. You've got to be pretty wealthy to give half your stuff away and still be doing all right. He said, I'm going to give half my, my goods to the poor. His mindset began to change from being a taker to a giver. And then, he, and then he said this. He said, Lord, I got a kick out of this. He says, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation. That's how he made his living, by false accusation. And so I know the Lord probably had to smile 
Okay, if you have, Zacchaeus. He did. But he said, if I have, Lord, he said, I'm going to restore him fourfold. That means he no longer wanted to be at odds with people. People matter to him. That's a mindset change. That's a renovation. He's beginning to think, now, I, I want my relationships to be right. And then for the first time, because he realized that Jesus cared about him, he wanted to do something just to please the Lord. Now, you might be thinking, oh, he's just doing that to please Jesus. Is that such a bad thing? <laughs> it's actually a good thing. An encounter with Jesus, when he, when he knew Jesus was interested in him, it gave him the catalyst and the ability to change. What about us? How do we begin to renovate? And by the way, it's a process. It's not something that you're going to do just like this, but it is a process. And we can begin to, to renovate, overhaul our mindset. It's got to be based on the, here's the first one. We have to base it on, on the fact, the belief that God and the Lord Jesus care for you personally. It's got to be based on relationship, that God cares for you, that God is interested in you. The Apostle Paul wrote and he said this, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no, long, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, look what he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for the Apostle Paul, you say, well, he was an apostle. Of course God loved him. Do you realize what Paul was before he was an apostle? He was a killer. He killed Christians. He broke up families. He unjustly put people in jail just for naming the name of Jesus. So Paul was able to make that transition that Jesus didn't just love the world, that Jesus loved him and cared for him. And when you make it personal, you make it powerful. And then relationship becomes the catalyst by which we're able to make change. If you know someone is interested in you and cares about you, it's easier to change. What if tomorrow morning you got up, you, you're walking into your kitchen, maybe get a cup of coffee. And as you walk into your kitchen, Jesus is sitting at your kitchen table. Well, now you're awake. <laughs> but when he's sitting there, he's not pointing the finger going, I know what you've done. He looks at you and he smiles. He said, man, get a cup of coffee. Come and sit here, let's talk. And you get to share your heart with him. And he's smiling at you. And you can tell he, he's actually interested in you. He cares about you. And if he looks at you and said, now, hey, I, I want you to start to think a little bit different there. Are you going to lock your hand and go, no, Jesus? <laughs> no. You're going to go, yes, Lord. I, I, yeah, because... You know he loves you. So you're willing to make that change. I remember in college, I was in a, I was in a fraternity, man. We had some, we had all kinds of fraternity brothers there. We, we had some scrounging. We, we had some scrounging. We had one brother, man. He, just looked, he looked like, you remember, who, who's, who was the guy? Pigpen from, from Peanuts. <laughs> man, this guy, he just looked, he just looked scrounging. I mean, all, he'd come into the cafeteria, been working on his car. He just, he just looked scrounging all the time. Hair was messed up. He's just, but then he met this girl. Clean that brother's act up, Shh, quick. All of a sudden, he starts coming into the cafeteria clean with a button down and loafers and stuff. And we're like, <laughs> oh, what happened to you? You, got, you knew somebody loved you? And when you know somebody loves you, it's easier to make a change. 
It's easier. And when you know God loves you, he's not trying to ruin your fun. He's trying to transform your life that it can be better. Here's a, here's a couple of mindsets that we can adjust to. We can adjust from having a lack mentality to an abundance mentality. Paul wrote Timothy, who was a pastor, and he wrote this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now just leave it up there just for a second. Notice it doesn't say command those who are rich in this present age and they better give up that money because it's, it's filthy. No, he just said don't, he said don't get an attitude and don't trust in uncertain riches. He said you can, nothing wrong with money. He said put your trust in God because money can get gone but God can stay and will stay and will always stay and is consistent. And then when you begin to realize that's making, that's making a transition, a shift from all my trust is in money to I'm putting my trust in God. And when you do that, that opens things up. And that, that helps us make, make an adjustment because we're not just serving a God, we're serving a good God, remember, who's interested in us, and a generous God. A lady took her um, six-year-old son back to her hometown and uh, was visiting with some people, and she saw the candy store she used to go to as a child. It was still open. And she took her little son in there, and sure enough, the candy store owner who'd been there when she was a little girl was still there, and they, they renewed acquaintance, and she introduced him to her little six-year-old. He'd been eyeing some of that candy. And so the candy store owner just reached over and grabbed a, 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 a jar of the candy, and he held it out. He said, get you a handful, buddy. That little boy didn't move. He said, oh, no, go ahead, get you. And, and the mom said, no, go, it's okay, sweetheart, get you a handful. He wasn't doing anything. Finally, the candy store owner reached in, grabbed a big handful, put it in the bag, and gave it to the boy. When they were walking out, the mother looked at the little guy, and she went, when did you become shy? He said you could have some candy. What was the hesitation? The little guy with the wisdom of a six-year-old said, his hands are bigger than mine. But that's an abundance mentality right there. That's not a, hey, hey, God's hands are bigger than ours. God's resources are bigger than ours. God can do what we can't do. He's, he's big. And when you, when you begin to realize he's a big God, he's got a lot of resources. Instead of trying to hold on to everything, you become a giver, not a taker. And you can begin to sow. And it's not just money. He's bigger. He can give strength. He can give wisdom. He can give light. He can give insight. He can give friends. He can give strength. You know, we talked about serve Saturday or serve half a Saturday. And when you, you know, I know, I know the things that come. I got things to do. I got, I got things to do. But it's a different when we shift our mentality and go, I know I got a lot of things to do, but I got a great opportunity to sow some love seeds into my community. That's it. That's going to be, that's a giver's mentality. And I know that God can make up time for me. I bless others. Blessings come my way given it will be given to you it's a different mindset and then here's another great mindset living for God instead of living for us now that's a big one that's a process but it's a good one to, to shift it because here's the deal living for you living for me just if it's just all about me that's so limiting and so unsatisfying look what look what Paul wrote to uh, the Corinthian church 
said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's beginning to think differently. It's not just about me. What can I do for God? Years ago, I, when I was working for Administaff, I, I remember reading an article, and I've read a lot of business articles. This one has always stood out to me. And it was the difference between what they called a mom and pop business and a, and a business started by an entrepreneur. Now my, my parents were, my dad started a, a business. I grew up in a small business. In 1969, he left a corporate job and he started his own business. And he's classic mom and pop. He didn't want anybody else telling him what to do. He wanted to be his own boss. And the second thing is he wanted, a, he wanted something that would take care of his family. And that's what they said. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But they said the mom and pop mentality is we want a job that will take care of us. Just take care of us. Whereas an entrepreneur thinks differently. An entrepreneur says, I don't just want to take care of me. I want to start a business. And this business can create jobs. It can create jobs for other people. And a real entrepreneur goes, man, I want to start this business. Then he'll get that started and turn that over to someone else. They'll do another one and get that started. But they said the mindset, and what the, this article was saying is, with the mom and pop mindset, it's very limiting. It's, it's typically, unless they just really catch lightning in the bottle, those businesses don't tend to grow as much. But you get someone with a bigger mindset, hey, I want to start a company that provides jobs for people and, and can be a blessing. You get that type of mindset going, and it gives the opportunity for growth. What's well, the same thing with, with God. If we're just living for us, we're so limited. But we begin to expand this, begin to go, God, how can I live for you? How can I glorify you? How can I honor you with my life? Well, that's different. And he's thinking, okay, all right. Alan, if I'm going to honor God with my life, then I'm going to have to quit my job and, and go be a missionary somewhere. No, no. You can honor God right where you are. You don't have to be a missionary. You can honor God on your job. You can honor God. The, the Listen, God doesn't want your vocation to change. He wants your mindset to change. My mindset is no longer it's all about me. It's God, I belong to you. How can I honor you? In 1879, George DeLong set off with 28, 28 other men on a boat called the USS Jeanette. His objective was to find and, dis and claim the North Pole for the United States. Government-funded boat, and he took off. Now, he was basing this, his, his whole quest on the maps of that day. And the maps of that day, the leading map maker of that day was a man named August Peterman, who had said that, that, that close to the North Pole is what they called an open polar ocean. They said there was no ice on it. It was teeming with marine life, and that sailing on that ocean would be like sailing on the Caribbean or the Mediterranean. So it was an open polar ocean. And, and, to, and, and people had tried to find this open polar ocean for a while. And, and instead of saying, hey, maybe I missed it, August Peterman doubled down and said, no, there's this thermometric channel, this portal. If you find this thermometric portal, it's the open door through the ice to the open polar ocean and you'll find the North Pole. So an entire expedition started based on this map and they took off and they hit ice and they hit nothing but ice 
And after a while, they had to acknowledge there is no thermometric channel. And then they had to begin to acknowledge, and there is no open polar ocean. So what happened to George DeLong? His ship, the USS Jeanette, got stuck in the ice. The men had to abandon the ship. And the crew took off, and somehow they got separated. They were going for Siberia. Part of the crew actually made it to Siberia. George DeLong and his, his group never made it. And they said that George DeLong, they discovered him years later. He had died of starvation, and he was just covered up in snow with only his hand sticking out, pointing to heaven. What a shame. He based a whole expedition on a map that was wrong. Guys, how many maps are wrong? The map that says the key to be, to be happy is it's all about you. The map that says you got to take all that you can. It's a wrong map. It's leading to a destination that you're not going to find. But there is a map maker who has laid out a map. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if you find him, boy, you find, you find truth. So many wrong voices, so many wrong maps available. Thank God there is a map that's true. There is a savior that's true. And if you simply find him, you're on the right course. Don't base your life on a wrong map. Base your life on the one who loves you, the one who cares for you, the one who has a map mapped out for you that's accurate. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Cedric bowed and eyes are closed. And just for the next few moments, if, if no one would just leave. If you're here today and you say, Alan, I, I don't know that I've ever made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you, you have, you're not sure. Or you're, you're kind of like I was. You've done that, but then you somehow you drifted away. And you're here, in here today going, man, I, I know I've gotten away from God and I know I'm going to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front. We're sitting right there in your seat. This is an opportunity. You're watching right online. Here's your opportunity to connect with the one who loves you, who's interested in you, who's got a plan for you, and it's good. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, that's me. And I want to be a part of that prayer. Would you pray for me? Real quickly, would you shoot your hand up quickly across the aisle? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Yes, thanks. Good, thank you. Let me put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, if you didn't lift your hand and you wanted to, you can still do that. And we're going to say this prayer. You pray this prayer from your heart. And we're going to join you as a church family. If you're online watching, listen, just if you're by yourself, pray this out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But we're going to, we're going to pray this prayer. It's a powerful prayer and it will help you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Head still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. 
For those who stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, Father, we rejoice with them. For those who've come back home, we rejoice with them as well. And Father, thank you for the rest of us. Thank you that we have your word, a relationship with you that can help us begin to change our mindset and to change it to honor and glorify you. We thank you for that. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.